Tonight we're continuing in, in talking about evangelism. The title of my message tonight is just simply, yes. God just, God just said, yes, that's what I want you to talk about. <laughs> um, the title of my message tonight is people. 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 God is all about people. God is all about people. Yeah? And there's a verse of Scripture in Psalm 34 and verse 1. Psalm 34 and verse 1. The first verse. Oh, no. Oh, that's, that's right there. But, but it says in that first part, it's a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. And this is what he said. I will bless the Lord when it feels good. No. I will bless the Lord when all my bills are paid. No. I will bless the Lord when I feel good. I will bless the Lord when? All time. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Um, so, how many people like flying on airplanes? Yeah? Okay, I do too. Yeah. But, um, Brian, come sit up here in this chair right here. This, this is an airplane. Okay? And, um, and you, you realize that this is how big the seats are. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is an air, this is, this, there's no exaggeration in this. What you see is an actual airplane seat, right? So, we were leaving Virginia Beach at 5.50 in the afternoon, in the evening, flying to Atlanta, change planes, and fly into San Antonio. Simple. So while we're in the air, we leave at 5.50, and while we're in the air, they closed the Atlanta airport, second busiest, or maybe first, the busiest airport in the United States, as far as I know, first or second. They close it for three hours while we're in the air in an hour and a half flight to Atlanta. So we're kind of flying and seeming like it's taking too long, and then uh, finally the pilot comes on and says, um, he said, um, We're, we are deferring to another airport because Atlanta is closed because of wind shear. And uh, how many saw the plane with all the hail hitting the windshield and all that stuff? Well, that's what, was, that, that's what was over Atlanta at that time. So we go around to Columbia, South Carolina about 8 o'clock and we land. And we're sitting on the tarmac and he said, well... There's a few planes here ahead of us. We, we've got to refuel and we've got to wait till they open the airport. Well, 
They reopened the airport, but we're still sitting there. We're there for about an hour, and we're still sitting there, sitting on the tarmac, you know. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what am I thinking? But what, what, what would be some of the thoughts that you'd be thinking? So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what I was thinking. Okay, it's almost nine o'clock. Our flight leaves at nine fifteen out of Atlanta, so I'm gonna miss that flight. Um, so now should, I, I'm gonna probably need to, I probably need to start calling and checking on another flight and. It's, so we can get on another flight to get out of here because we don't want to have to stay in Atlanta. And, you know, so now my mind's, you know, we've been, on, been sitting there for an hour, you know, and this is going on and this is what's on my mind. So I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit just nudged me. And we're in a MD-80 plane, which is three seats and two seats. And I'm on the two-seater side and there's a guy sitting next to me. And... Uh, and the Holy Spirit says, he goes, what about this guy? Yeah, yeah, but God, let's see, I've got to figure this out and figure this out, figure that, figure this out, all this stuff, you know. And uh, so I start realizing about this guy. See, God's about people. God's about people. And he needs me aware of the needs of people around me he needs me aware of what he wants me to do you know so so i just kind of cast the care of those things and you know the, the and, and i wasn't i wasn't like in for i wasn't fretting over it i was just thinking about those things and so um i look over at this guy and i say so where are you from idaho not really what do you do up there? I said, I'm in school. I said, what are you in school for? So said, I'm, I'm in law school. Oh, really? I said, at, at where? He said, BYU, Idaho. I said, BYU, Idaho. I said, I don't know there's such a place. He said, yeah, yeah. And so he tells me more information and more information. I said, are you, are you a Mormon? Yeah. I said, are you a practicing Mormon? He kind of looks at me. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, like, are you a missionary? He said, yeah, I've done my, my missionary work. Two years, white shirt and a bicycle? He said, yeah. He said, how do you know that? I said, oh, I just, I just know. So he starts out. He said, are you a Mormon? I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. I said, are you a Christian? And he goes, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. So for the next hour and a half, we, we'd been on there for, by this time, about an hour and 15 minutes, and then for the next hour and a half, on and off, we're in this pretty deep conversation about the differences that Mormons have with the Bible versus Christians. And so I told him of a couple of experiences that I had with Mormons, and that I, re I realized that they believe what the Bible. I said, do you believe the Bible? Yeah, I, I believe the Bible. I said, do you know what John chapter 3 says where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus? He said, a man must be born again. And he goes, yeah. I said, are you born again? And he goes, well, kind of. I said, okay. 
And so we talked and we talked and there were a little bit of differences, but we agreed on most things. And I sowed seed in this guy's life and I just happened to have a business card and I was able to put that in his hand. And he didn't have a business card, so he tore this thing off of this box he had and he wrote his name and his phone number on there. He said, I really want you to have this. And I said, you got my number. And I said, you call me. You ever need to talk? He said, I will. He said, I will. And we were there for another hour. We were four hours on the tarmac. But what happened was, I forgot about that because I got interested in what I could say and do for this guy because that's what God wanted. Thank you. And I just realized as I was sitting there how much God needs you and I. I'm telling you today, God needs you. And you know, <clears throat> people will gravitate towards you if you just talk about them. You start talking about yourself, they're out. Because people are, con people People have so many concerns about life. You know, one of the things I was talking to this guy about, I said, you know, when I came into Christianity, I said, most, most of the Christians that I knew said this. I said, I'm just telling you the truth. I said, I don't know if you experienced this as one of those missionary guys on the bike where you went to people's houses. So if you experienced this or not. But I said, most of the Christian people believe that Mormons are demon-possessed. When I came into, the, into Christianity over 38 years ago, I said, most of the Christians believe that. And he goes, you know, when I'd, go to a, when I'd go to somebody's door and knock on the door and they were a Christian, he said, those are some of the meanest people I ever met in my life. Especially when they found out that I was a Mormon. And I told them this story first set of Mormons, I, I didn't tell them about the first set, because <laughs> see, I'd heard about what all these other people said about him, so a set of them came to my sister's door in Houston, I was visiting her in Houston, and they came to the door, <laughs> and I'd been saved just long enough to be dangerous, and so they come to the door, <laughs> and I start telling them about Jesus, and you need Jesus, and you need to get free of that devil. And boy, they just like, you know, they're like this, and they're backing up, and I'm, I'm like this out the door, you know. And they're, it, it's just a, it was a, it was a guy and his son, you know, and it just, I freaked the son out, and they started running. I was chasing them down the street, you know. It was crazy. It was a, it was a mess, but I didn't tell them about that. I told them about the next time that somebody, I lived in the Rio Grande Valley, and I invited these two guys in, and they came in, and they stayed for a long time, and we talked. And our, what I realized was, we, agree, we agreed on about 90% of the stuff, you know? But where the disagreement was, was where the blood of Jesus was concerned, about really, truly being born again, what it means to be born a second time. And that's what I sewed into that guy. And he left that plane, he left that that, that situation with the seed of that revelation in such a way that he was able to receive from me. But why? Because I just accepted him. 
He's not full of the devil. He's not full of the devil any more than, than anybody else that's not born of the Spirit of God, you know? And, and when I say not full of the devil, demon-controlled demon and possessed in his, in his life and in his soul and, and ideas that are against God's ideas and ways of thinking. But all people need, all people need is the devil's thinking off of them and they'll get saved. I'm telling you, I, I, I see it more and more. Every human being on the planet was created in the image of God, whether they're born again or not. You understand? God wants them born again. But they won't get born again if you come against what they believe. You've got to accept them and, and talk about them and talk about the things that you agree until the things that disagree come up and then you're able to be honest with them about it. And that guy accepted what I said, everything that I said about being born again. So now he's thinking about it. And what I, what I have working, what God has working now on behalf of this young guy is that the word that I sowed into him will not return void but accomplish what it is set out to accomplish. I planted a seed, someone else is going to water it, and the harvest is coming for that young guy's life. I got his name. I said it right there. I can thank God for it every day that that seed that I sowed in him. See, you don't, you don't have to force a salvation. Because, you know, some people, some people like that, especially when you've got a captivated audience and you can't get off the plane and you can't move anywhere, somebody like that may, if I forced him to pray with me to receive Jesus on the airplane, he might do it just to get me to shut up. And there's no salvation there. You can make a confession and not believe and not be born again. So, God's so about people, you know. And, and we've been reading bits and pieces of, of Luke chapter 15. And I want you, if you've got a Bible or watch the screen, um, I, I want to look at this. Um, because... In Luke 15, there's three stories in this chapter. The first one we've read and spent a little bit of time on it is about the lost sheep. What man of you having, verse 4, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine into the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need repentance. So, the shepherd here left the ninety-nine and went after the one. And one of the things that I think that God is really stressing in this time and things that we're talking about right now and my encouragement to you from the heart of the Father is that, that a shepherd's heart is what all of us should have. We all should have the heart of the Father the sh uh, uh, and, and the heart of Jesus who is the true shepherd. We all should. And so think about this. That instead of viewing 
the story of the 99 and 1 as, you know, why would a good shepherd leave the 99, 99 sheep, and, and what, what would have, that would leave them vulnerable to wolves or whatever, prey coming and, and, and trying to destroy you know, the, other, the 99 sheep. Why go after the one and leave the 99? But I believe the story here is talking about the heart of the shepherd. And if all 99, if all 100 have the heart of the shepherd, then everybody is after one. Everybody's after somebody. Everybody's aware of people next to them. People on airplanes, people in, in, in restaurants, people in grocery stores, people on the job, people here and there. Everybody's aware of one. And, it, and if, you, if you take the concept that I'm talking about here and you apply the simple principle of thinking more about them than you think of yourself, I, I wrote this down, and, and, and I believe this is absolutely true, you, you tr- a person truly hasn't lived until you live for other people. A person won't really live until you live for other people. You start thinking more of others than you think of yourself. A person won't really live because what, what's behind the curtain of doing for others is the secret to the success in every other area of your life. Learning to live your life for other people. And, and living your life for someone else is just being open every day. Waking up every morning. Father, I thank you for this great day and I thank you for the right people coming across my path. People that you send across my path or people that you send me to. That I'll be open to hear what you would have for me to do to be a blessing to the people around me. Just something every day. Just thanking God for it. A person won't I'm going to just say it again. A person really won't understand life until you learn that life is about living your life for other people. That's what true life is really all about. That Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth all the time. I think one of the reasons that we get stuck in ruts in humanity, one of the reasons we get stuck in these certain kinds of ruts is because we don't rejoice and keep our focus on God. Because when my focus is on God, you know what He's about? Remember the, 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 the example here in the plane? My focus was on me. My focus was on what am I going to do over here? And I'm not saying anything wrong with trying to prepare if your flight's going to be canceled and you have to stay overnight somewhere and you're going to have to do something else like we ended up doing. But, but did God not take the opportunity to sow seed in someone else's life because of the weather and something that actually happened? It's not God that you know, brought bad weather in there so I'd minister to this one guy. No, but in the midst of bad weather, there was an opportunity to be open to do what God wanted, and that's what He wanted. See, when I began to focus on Him and listen to Him, He directed me to a person. See, if I stay focused on myself, and, and, and notice the, the Psalm 34.1, it says, I will bless the Lord, not the problem. I won't focus on the problem. I'm gonna, my focus is on the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise and praise of Him shall continually be in my mouth. Lord, I thank You for how great and awesome that You are. And the more I focus on God, 
He's going to direct me off of myself and onto the needs and helping and being a blessing to other people. I'm telling you, you have not lived until you live that way. Well, you know, Pastor, but I, I'm uncomfortable. Well, get uncomfortable. Well, you know, people have to be taught taught how to what? Talk? Anybody here don't know how to talk? I mean, when there are no people around, I can talk to trees. I mean, just, just find somebody to talk to. When, when you're developing this, just find somebody to talk to. There, there's nothing like finding yourself in a place where you find somebody that needs what you have, and you leave that place, and they seem blessed, but what they don't know is you're even more blessed than they are because you had something that someone needed. Ooh, I'm telling you, we got the goods. On the inside of us is the goods. We've got the goods in God. It's amazing what, what it can do for others when we're not just about ourselves. Because when I'm not about me, what happens when I get more involved in other people, then it causes everything that has to do with me to be enhanced even more. Great things happen when I'm about other people, because that's, that's God's business. That's all He's about. You know, you know, someone says, well, you know, God's got to meet my need. He's already met your need. Yeah, but God's got to heal my body. No, 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 He already healed your body. No, but God's got, no, no, no. Listen, I'm telling you, I mean, if I'm not feeling good in my body, that's the time for me to be looking for people to pray for, you know? be calling somebody hey can I pray and agree with you about because all of a sudden I'm telling you this happened to me if this happened once I can't tell you how many times this has happened I had something not feeling good in my body and all of a sudden I found myself praying for other people and then I realized wait a minute I don't even feel that way anymore oh God's got to do no he's already done it all See, I don't have to worry about needs or body or, or emotions. or those. They, there's no need to worry and be concerned and fretful about those things because they've already been taken care of. But the actual manifestation of that comes out of me giving out instead of me sitting around waiting for something to happen. Worst place you can be in. Well, you know, people just aren't friendly. Well, how friendly are you? You want a friend? So friendship. Right? You want to see anything come? I mean, as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. Right? And you reap, you reap a harvest based on what you sow. You don't sow a cucumber seed and get a tomato. It'll never happen. You can confess over that cucumber seed till you can't confess anymore, and it's not going to change into a tomato. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Amen? And in these stories, the story of the lost sheep is one example. But then the story of the lost coin, verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls her friends, neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. Notice, rejoice. What did, what did uh, 
what did the shepherd finding the one do? What did he do? Rejoice. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise and rejoicing shall continually be in my mouth. Continually. When she found the coin, when she found the coin, she calls her friends, and what happens? They begin to rejoice. Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, this is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what are they talking about? Coins or people? People. It's about people. So there's one that the shepherd went after, okay? There's certain kinds of people that are out there that you've got to go after. Maybe they're offended. Maybe they're upset about something. Maybe something happened and you need to go check on them. God wants you to, to be aware of the needs of certain people. Then, then there, there are some that are just absolutely lost. You understand? And, and the guy sitting next to me in the airplane... He's lost. Everybody say lost. He's lost. He thinks he knows certain things, and he has a knowledge of certain things, but he's not born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in his education, that's all fine, and it's great, and everything else, but a man must be born again. And how is that guy going to ever get born again? You know, what his, you know, his, you know his, his picture, this, this, guy, this guy is one of eight kids lives in California, and all of his siblings are either doctors or lawyers. And he's going for a law degree. And they're all doctors and lawyers. And they all make lots and lots of money. And his perception of Christianity until he met me was not good. How would that guy ever get born again? I can't get the guy off my mind. I keep seeing his face. I keep thinking about, I mean, the power of the seed of God's word that was sown in his life. And you realize, I could have sat there for four hours. If I've not been taught to hear the voice of the Spirit, I could have sat there for four hours and missed that opportunity. And what? Come out on the other side of four hours, sitting on that plane, sweating mad, angry at everybody. Get back to Atlanta. Can you imagine three hours and all the flights that were delayed and all kinds of things happened? Can you imagine what the people at the Atlanta airport had to put up with? I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. I, mean, I don't know how many. I mean, the airport was closed. <laughs> There lied an opportunity to be a blessing to, to humankind. And there's a guy out there living in Idaho, going to BYU, Idaho, <laughs> with his Book of Mormon. That's got the seed of the Word of God planted in his heart about the fact that he must be born again. I mean, he probably has woke up the, the last two mornings thinking about that, that phrase, you must be. They ain't teaching them that at the Mormon church. I'm not against the Mormons. I'm just saying, they're not teaching. Mormons do a lot of really good stuff. But they ain't teaching them born again. But I did. I did. I just had a small window of opportunity 
And when I get to heaven, I'm going to see that guy. Because he will be born again because that seed will not return void. It will be accomplished. Amen? That's how passionate. You don't, you don't live life until you have a passion for people. There's no, there's no life in life until you live your life for others. Otherwise, all we think about is ourselves every day. We get up, we think about ourselves, this and that, and we just think about how life centers around us. And I'm telling you, you're just not that important. Sorry. You are to God, but not to anybody else. Not that important. Well, that just hurts my feelings. Well, get over it. And the only way you're going to get over it is to be about other people. That's what Christianity is about. Amen? And the third story, and then we're done. The third story is about what? It's about a son who was in church, connected to his father, began to think more highly of himself, thought he could handle the world and everything out there, thought he didn't need all this stuff, didn't need the covering of his house and his father and all this kind, didn't need all that. And he says, Daddy, I need all my inheritance and I need all my money and I'm out of here. He's gone. And he gets out there and all of a sudden, he's not tithing anymore. And a famine hits the land. See, when you're a tither and you're under the covering, famine, no famine. God's good. Amen? We live above those. And, and even though we, you may be living in a famine around you, God will take care of you because you're a tither. See, all of a sudden, this guy left it. So he gets out there, and he, so he goes and try, finds a job slopping pigs. And then he starts eating the leftover corn husks. Mmm, boy. <laughs> and then it says what? Came to himself. He came to himself. Let me ask you a question. What do you think his father was doing all the time? Oh, yeah, that nasty son of mine, that little rat. That little thinks he's all that about himself, little piece of whatever. And I'm just one. I, next time I see him, I'm going to send somebody and they're going to whoop his hind. And, no, no, daddy was praying. Hmm? Because you know what happened? All of a sudden, one day, man, what am I doing here? I'll just be a servant for my dad. I'll go back there. He came to himself. Anybody ever made a mistake? One? Okay. Me and Justin. <clears throat> he came to himself. In the midst of his mistakes, he came to himself. And he goes back to the father. And what did the father do? Same thing that the other two did rejoiced. I will bless the Lord at all times. Well, my son's doing, I will bless the Lord at all times. Well, but then, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise, his praise, 
She'll continue. This young boy, young guy in college and in a law degree, this young guy, I will bless the Lord for that guy. I will bless the Lord for my, my family. I will bless the Lord for all my extended family. I will bless the Lord at all. Even when things don't even look like they're right, I will bless the Lord at all times. And he saw his son coming back, and he rejoiced, and he did what? He threw a party. Hmm? Killed the best fatted calf. Get the ring for his finger. Robe around his neck. See, it was, already, it was always there. See, your needs have always been met. You've always been healed in your body. Peace of God has always been there. Friendships have always been there. Everything you've ever needed has always been there. What it takes is I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth and I will hear His voice and I will do what He says. And I will live successful all the days of my life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, but I'm saying that's what humanity is created to say. That's what we've been created to do and to say, is to be focused on one that would stray, to be focused on one that is lost, and to be focused on one who really had an attitude and left and came to himself and came back. Hmm? I don't know about you, but that says to me, we got a lot to do. How many people in Kerrville, Texas, alone, just in the surrounding areas here, how many thousands of people do you think are in that condition, in one of those three conditions right there? Thousands. Well, Pastor, when I can get to it. No. Yesterday, you need to be getting to it. And you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking down to you and trying to put some guilt trail. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really have that one. Isabel, the other day, or well, not the other day, but a few weeks back, she was busy sewing into her mom, moving her mother into her house because that was the best thing. The Bible's real clear about things like that at times. Moving her mom into her house. And as she was moving, she had one of those people that just surfaced. And that lady was in church. La, la, uh, well, I wasn't here this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, that lady was in church. She was here Sunday again. I met her out there, talked to her for a little while when she was here. She said, this is what I'm looking for right here. You know, I've heard that 150, several thousand times. <clears throat> but I, I'm not downplaying what she said. I'm just saying, yeah, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for people that care about people, right? Everybody, everybody say, that's us. Okay, that's not just me, that's us. It's not enough if it's just me or if it's just you. It's got to be us. And we gotta, we got to embrace this revelation, and we got to live in it and experience it every day. Because like I said, I like the way I wrote this down. You haven't lived until you live for others. You've got to work that out in your mind, you're thinking. Amen? So tonight, be meditating on that Psalm 34.1. 
I will bless the Lord at all times, no matter what. And not blessing the Lord and thanking Him for trouble, but in the midst of things, even when things aren't perfect. There's a lot of stuff that's not perfect. But I'll bless Him at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I will hear His voice, and I will do what He says, and I will be aware of people. Can you say amen tonight? Father, we bless you.